Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Hi, Sid. Hi, Justin. How are you this week? I'm good. I'm doing very well. I'm excited to hear what you've cooked up for us. Oh, so I should just like jump right into it. Just jump right into it. I'm ready. No preamble. Well, that's fine because I actually was inspired to do this episode while I was researching last week's episode. That's right, folks. It's another famous Sawbones combo. Oh, no. <laughs> combo. Don't say that because then they'll expect us to just keep going. Remember yeah. we did that for a while. How long did we, we had do an, that? We had like a six episode chain. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I'm ready for that. Oh, no, absolutely not. Oh, I'm not going to commit that far. But while I was, if you listen to our episode last week, it was about Tetralogy of Fallot and the uh, kind of the development of the procedure that fix that mm-hmm. and where that what the history of that was there was a hole in the heart that was brought to our attention by uh jimmy kimmel's story on his show yes yeah it is much more than just a hole in the heart i did a whole episode you were my co-host about um, it you for, there were there's a overflow from one chamber into another back yeah show. okay there you go i hop remember i hop right mm-hmm. got it now you've got it i Heart. Oops. Porthole. <laughs> no, that wasn't right. I don't that's remember the not, mnemonic. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's really wrong. I really messed it up. If bad. there are any medical students listening, that is not what that stands for. Please don't use that on your next exam. Uh, Sydney, why are we talking about Tetralogy of Fallot again? Well, we're not going to talk about Tetralogy of Fallot again. We're going to talk about somebody that I only briefly mentioned in our last episode. Uh, When I was discussing the procedure that was developed to fix Tetralogy of Fallot, we talked about uh, Alfred Blaylock and we talked about Helen Tossig. And I mentioned very briefly that Alfred Blaylock's assistant was Vivian Thomas, but I didn't say much else about him because this needs to be a whole episode. All right. So uh, thank you to Janet, who who wrote an email suggesting this topic. Um, I'm not going to give you full credit, credit, Janet, because I was already going to do it. Thank you anyway. Doesn't, yeah, that's yeah. nice of you. We'll, get, you we'll share it. We'll no, sh- yeah. I'm just gonna I'll share it. I'll share the credit. Uh, so Vivian Thomas was born on August 29th. Vivian Thomas, not a woman, which I'm not no. sure we clarified that in the last episode. No, well, I don't I don't think I did. Okay. I don't think I commented one way or another because I, I knew I didn't want to spoil it. I didn't want spoilers. I knew okay. this would be no a whole spoilers. great episode all, all unto itself. Uh, but no, Vivian Thomas, I know we kind of traditionally think of Vivian more as a, as the name of a female, but no, Vivian Thomas was was male. Uh, born on August 29th, nineteen ten, in New Iberia, Louisiana, 
Um, grandson of a slave. I only mention that because he, he goes on to do amazing things and came from humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, he attended high school in Nashville, and he intended on becoming a physician. That was his plan all along. He was fascinated with medicine and intended on going to saving up, going to college and going to medical school and becoming a doctor. Uh, He saved up some money uh, kind of following in his dad's footsteps, working at Vanderbilt as a carpenter for a bit, trying to save up some money. Uh, He um, also uh, worked as an orderly in a hospital. It's a less traditional. Carpentry (laughs) is a less traditional path into surgery. But if you think about it, cutting, cutting. It's the same thing. Wood, human flesh. Surgery is carpentry of the body. Body carpentry. Well, I'm starting to sound like a, yeah, uh, a know, bad science fiction novel. He's a body carpenter. To be fair, orthopedics. I mean. Yeah, right? Thank you. You know. I don't know what that means. I'm sure it's hysterical, but I will ask that you move on <laughs> at this point. So uh, he, he, worked, he also worked as an orderly for a while. He saved up his money and he enrolled in the Tennessee Agricultural and Industrial College, intent on studying pre-med however he lost a lot of money after the crash of 1929 ah. uh, and this kind of threw a wrench into his yeah, plans put a lot of plans on old yes for a lot of people and obviously so did the resulting great depression uh that followed and so he had to pursue work and and making money and that kind of thing instead and and just to kind of add in here not not all at the exact same time but in the early 30s uh he also got married to Clara and had would end up having two daughters, Olga Faye and Theodosia. Um, Apologies which... to everyone who is now saying dear Theodosia to themselves <laughs> in their cars. That may have been specifically why I just I really wanted to get his daughter's names yeah. in there. Theodosia. We need to th- think about that if we're going to have another girl. You think? Hmm. I don't know. Just well, throwing it out there. We'll table it. It's a pretty name. Anyway, so uh, so I think also adding to this need for a career was... He now had a family to support. You think there's going to be a lot of Theodosias kicking around here in about 10 years? I think for sure. Hey, little girl, let me tell you about your parents. They love the theater, correct? (laughs) Yes. Thank you. I'm Kreskin Jr., Kreskin's son, the next generation. (laughs) Hey, there's another great name. Kreskin. Now anyway. you're talking. <laughs> so he landed, he, he was looking around for a job and through a friend, he found out about a position as a surgical research assistant, like a technician that would work with a surgeon um, named Dr. Alfred Blaylock. And he found out about this job and he thought he would go kind of check it out. Uh, Blaylock, by the way, was a descendant of Jefferson Davis, kind of uh, what you would think of as like a very traditional Southern aristocratic type gentleman um he was known to be very difficult to get along with Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people had had issues with him uh he was straight to the point about things though he's very blunt um very uh, plain spoken and he needed an assistant and he interviewed thomas and he seemed to be bright and catch on really quickly and he liked that he was also hardworking and straightforward and got right to the point as well and the two of them kind of hit it off from the from the very first meeting uh so he hired him and on his first day of work he uh helped to operate on a dog now we mentioned in the last episode that a lot of the procedures that they would end up doing on the human heart they practiced in dogs mm-hmm. they probably you know so uh, dr blaylock was already starting to work on some different procedures right now he was more working on shock uh, traumatic shock, what happened to the body if you went to went into shock, mm-hmm. what the cause was and 
you know, thereby what we can do to treat it. Um, I'm staring at you intently to try to keep myself from visualizing what they did to put dogs in shock. So just kind of keep, stay with me here. Okay. I, well, I, I don't have any details. Perfect. I'm not, I'm not going to upset you with any details. Let me say that a lot of the work that was done, and so we'll mention, this won't be the only time in this episode that we'll mention that uh, they practiced a lot of these procedures on mm-hmm. dogs. And I think while obviously it's not something that we want to dwell on, and certainly we don't want to think about or visualize clearly, I think it's important to mention that these animals made a huge sacrifice for the human race and saved many lives. And so honoring that sacrifice and recognizing their contribution, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. And we let the vast majority of their brethren just chill and poop on the floor and (laughs) get free food. So like we're doing well by most of them. Sure, uh, you could make that case. That's not good morality, though. No, I'm realizing that's not, now that's, that's not really troubling, well, slippery <laughs> slope I put us on. I'm trying to say that these dogs saved lives. Let's focus on. Yeah, that. let's stick with that. Yours was better. I shouldn't try yeah. to pile on. Uh, so the first day of work, he helped to operate on a dog, and at the end of the day, uh, Blaylock said, "Look, tomorrow morning. Now that you see what I do here, tomorrow morning, what I want you to do is come on in bright and early." prep another one for surgery so go ahead get another dog like get them under anesthesia and have them ready to go tomorrow morning second day on the job can you imagine that it's your second day on the job and they're telling you like you don't know how to use anesthesia you've never done this before just figure it out and have it done tomorrow morning when i get here so that we can start doing surgery right away when i worked at blockbuster i didn't learn how to mop until three months in (laughs) they only let me put tapes back is mopping that hard I always feigned like I didn't know how to do it right, so I wouldn't have to. And I figured if I never learned, if no one ever taught me how to mop, then I would never have to do it. And it everybody, everybody just didn't know what to say when you say when you said I don't know how to mop. I don't know how to like mop. my mommy mops. Can I put some tapes away now? <laughs> uh, by the end of the month, uh, like I already mentioned, uh, Vivian Thomas caught on very quickly, and by the end of the month, he was starting the procedures by himself. So he, he would come in. He was able to do. I mean, we're talking about a lot of like complex kind of mathematical equations and things forget sure, the physiology yeah. and like how to it's a fine line with anesthesiology exactly the dosing to, to put these dogs to sleep and then to actually start the surgical procedures by himself and also to record all the results which included like using very complex equipment to measure the amount of oxygen and blood and that kind of thing um and and again a lot of longhand equations went into those those at the time now when i want to know those things i just order a lab and keep clicking a button in the computer until numbers pop up Mm -hmm. so uh he he began to do these procedures and he was very skilled at them very quickly um he did i thought it was an interesting little anecdote because he uh by the way just to kind of spoil ahead of time uh vivian thomas did write an autobiography about his life and so a lot of this also comes from the autobiography but he he recorded that at one point he really felt like his relationship with blaylock took off Mm-hmm. after he messed something up. Uh, Thomas did something that he was supposed to be prepping. He didn't do it exactly right. And Blaylock kind of Blaylock kind of lost it and showed, I think, some of that personality that he was already somewhat notorious for. And he yeah. cursed and yelled and screamed and called him names. And Thomas basically just said, give me my pay and I'm leaving. You're not going to talk to me that way. Nice. That's not, I'm sorry. It's not worth it to me. You know, basically like my dignity isn't worth that uh, any job. And Blaylock basically just backed down immediately and apologized and nice. said, all right. And they got along really well after like that. that. Um, 
Now, here's the crazy thing. So he was doing all this as a surgical research assistant, and he was listed and paid as a janitor. Ugh. Yeah. His official title was uh, a janitor there, and he was paid accordingly. Um, and this is this is true throughout a lot of his early career. Uh, and he was still trying to support a family, too, yeah. on this. A lot of the initial work, as I kind of already mentioned, that they were doing focused on shock. So they were worried about uh, people who go into shock, usually because of some sort of extreme trauma, um, as physical trauma. I don't mean emotional trauma. I mean, like, they go into shock because they get in a horrible car accident and, you know, limb gets severed, something like that. Uh, and the prevailing theory was that there was some sort of toxin in the blood that was making all your organs shut down and making you so sick when shock occurred. And what Blaylock believed is that it was probably more related to fluid loss. Mm-hmm. How would that work? Blood loss and fluid loss from a giant trauma. Oh, okay. From a trauma. Got yeah. It. All right. Yeah. And so, and th- right now this sounds like a really obvious thing, but it's because we know it now. Well, sure. Family. Everything's yeah, obvious in hindsight. We didn't know it. So uh, the research would take them really long hours in the lab, like monitoring all these different exper- experiments uh, to see what would happen with like fluid loss and trying to replete it and what kind of changes went on in the human body and trying to mimic what we would think of today as like crush injuries, just completely smashing a bunch of blood vessels and seeing, you know, what happens to the tissue. And, mm-hmm. um, and in addition, uh, Blaylock and Thomas kind of developed this relationship where Blaylock would just kind of sit and think and muse. I wonder what would happen if this and this in the human body went wrong and, we try to do this to fix it. Mm-hmm. And when he would come up with these kinds of off the wall thoughts, Vivian Thomas's job was to then put it into a dog, was to make it happen. Do this to, <laughs> do this to a dog. <laughs> hey, Viv, do this to a dog for me. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that was basically it. And, so, and then he had to figure out how to replicate this condition and fix it. So not just how to fix the problem, but how to first create the problem in a lab in a way that it could then be fixed. So, uh, you know, all of the protocols and, and things that came out of these largely were Thomas develop- were, were because Thomas developed them. I mean, the, mm-hmm. yes, the ideas may have originated in some cases with Blaylock kind of wandering them, but it was all up to Vivian Thomas to actually make it into real world mm-hmm. solutions. Um, this, all of this with hemorrhagic shock and traumatic shock, all this work that they did, were, it led to a huge breakthrough in research in that area and would be instrumental in saving a lot of lives in World War II. Wow, oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because then we knew about, you know, sim- what we think of as very simplistic things now, like giving people a bunch of IV fluids to support their blood pressure or giving people plasma transfusions um, if they've lost a lot of blood and that kind of stuff. So, so this, was, this was huge groundbreaking research that they were doing. Now, because of all this stuff that they were doing and publishing and talking about with shock, uh, Blaylock began to get some attention in the medical world Um, because, I mean, you got to remember a lot of this, for the most part, was just being published as Blaylock's work. Right. Of course. Yeah. I mean, Thomas was not given much, if any, for the most part, mention in these in these kinds of papers and things. Uh, So Blaylock was offered a position at Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit as a result of all this. And he said he would come, uh, but that Vivian Thomas was part of the package deal. 
that they came as a team. Me and Viv. Because he was instrumental to his work. And they said, no way. That's a deal breaker. We don't. The only reason we would allow a black man to work in our hospital is as a janitor. And Blaylock said, okay, I'm not coming then. Either we come as a team or I don't come at all. And uh, and so he so he passed that up. Um, they also at this point began practicing surgical procedures on the hearts of, of dogs as well. Um, and, you know, we've we've like we've already said, this was huge and what would come soon. Uh, this was very taboo not to do procedures on dogs, but to do any kind of heart procedure. The idea that you could operate on the heart was unthinkable. The thought was that you would just by cutting into the heart, by having to clamp vessels that it would, there's no way a patient could ever survive such a surgery. So why even bother trying? Mm. Even if you could fix the defect, it wouldn't matter because your patient would die on the table was the thought. Okay. So this was huge. The thought that they were talking about doing surgery on hearts was like a major, I can't believe you'd even consider such a thing. Mm -hmm. Um. So this was a huge deal. Nobody thought it was possible. They were going to do it anyway. Uh, and and again, they were getting more attention for these different things they were doing. So Blaylock was offered another position this time at Johns Hopkins. And again, he told him the same deal. I'm only coming if I can bring Vivian Thomas with me. And Johns Hopkins took him up on it. Mm -hmm. So uh, he actually had to convince Thomas to move with him. He wasn't thrilled about it at first. Yeah. He just wasn't sure that it was the best thing for his family. That was his main concern. He was worried about making enough money there. And it was uh, much more expensive. When they actually, when they first got there, they didn't realize how much more expensive it was going to be to live in Baltimore than in Nashville. And there was no way when they first got there that he was going to be able to pay just for, I mean, basics, uh, sure. you know, rent and, and food and sending his kids to school and all this stuff. And he basically said, listen, I, I'm sorry, Ow. <laughs> I got to go back. I'm, I'm going back to Nashville. Like, I can't, I can't survive here. I can't can take care of my family. I mean, I, I'm going to have to get a different job. I can't work the job that you got me because it doesn't pay enough. And uh, Blaylock suggested, actually, why don't you let your wife work too? And then that'll work. And he took great exception to that and said, like, listen, that's not, that's not the deal. I can support my family. I'm capable of it. If I can't do it here, I'll move back to Nashville because I know I can do it there. And so Blaylock actually went and um, had some kind of meeting with officials at Hopkins and actually negotiated for a higher salary oh. for Thomas to get him to stay because he needed him. Yeah, it's really mean, important to him. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, this sounds like so he's doing him this this favor. And I mean, I'm yes, it was a nice thing to do, but it was also because he was absolutely necessary. And Blaylock knew that for him to do the work that he was doing. Right. He could not do it without Vivian Thomas. He had to have him there. Um, and this this was a big deal in another way. Baltimore was segregated in a way that they had not seen in Nashville. Just look at the movie Hairspray. Exactly. Just like in Hairspray. Sydney. It's just like hair. At this point, just stop the podcast and watch Hairspray just and you'll already know the rest of the story. You get it, basically. <laughs> basically get the gist. So uh, to have him working in a position like he held there at Hopkins was completely unheard of. In Baltimore, it stood out even more so than in Nashville. And it actually, the first time that he walked the halls uh, wearing his lab coat, it was just silence and people staring mm. because they didn't know what to make of this. They didn't know who was this guy? Who does wow. he think he is? What in the world is he doing here? It garnered huge attention. So moving to Baltimore was a big deal for Vivian Thomas and his family. It was a big sacrifice he was willing to make 
not just for Blaylock, but I think for the work he knew he was doing and, and how important it was. Is this about the time they start working on the Tetralogy of Flow stuff? Well, that's exactly right, Justin. But before I get into that, why don't we head to the billing department? Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So, Sid, we're about to get to Tetralogy of Flow again. That's right. So, at this point, Blaylock and Thomas are starting to work at Hopkins, and that's when Helen Tossig approaches them and says, I've been waiting for you guys. I understand you know how to do some surgeries on some dogs. I don't need you to do that. But are you sure? Because we're great. <laughs> no, I'm, okay. re- I'm really hoping maybe you could do those in humans. Uh, oh, and- humans. That's like a big dog, huh? <laughs> It's like a really big dog. And it's funny because I've read accounts now of this 
this exchange from both um, Helen Tossig and now Vivian Thomas's perspective. And who knows who came up with the idea first, but from her perspective, she said, hey, you know that that ductus arteriosus that that babies have before they're born. Well, I think you could replicate that and it would fix Tetralogy of Fallot. And I think you need to make a shunt just like that. And that would fix things. And from Thomas's perspective, it was more like basically she said, couldn't you just fix that by connecting some blood vessels in there somewhere? And we came up with the idea of what to do. So yeah. one way or another between these three between these three brains. Yeah. Smart things happened. Uh, they came up with a, a shunt procedure to fix Tetralogy of Fallot that would allow blood to flow through the lungs. Shunt's basically like a, the blood. a tube, right? Yeah, a Shunt. tube. Yeah. Okay. They, they construct a duct, if you remember. Yes. Construct a duct. Uh, so, and Blaylock and Thomas, to be fair, had actually already created a similar procedure. Thomas had used it to simulate a heart condition in a dog intentionally hmm. and then fixed it and so yeah. he knew how to construct it because he had had to do it in a dog to simulate a heart condition because he had to do that right yeah. he had to make the problem yeah. then he had to fix it so he knew how to do this cool. uh so vivian thomas was the one who worked on those two somewhere into 200 300 dogs trying to first induce a tetralogy of fallow sort of condition mm -hmm. he wasn't able to completely replicate that uh two of the four defects he was able to but he couldn't he couldn't completely replicate all four mm -hmm. but he, he created these situations and then fixed them and he was the one he was the one to do all that we mentioned in the last episode that it was practiced two or three hundred times by vivian thomas yeah he was the one doing this not blaylock blaylock was not the one practicing on the dogs all just vivian thomas um and the by the way the first dog that survived the procedure so who was actually like Thomas's pet for a while was named Anna hmm. and her picture was hung in the halls of Johns Hopkins. That's nice. Which I is think, pretty cool. I think that's pretty cool. Pretty yeah. cool dog. Yeah. I was uh, hoping you would say Marmaduke because that would explain <laughs> so much. And that's the history of Marmaduke. And that's why they don't throw that dog on the street. It's <laughs> a hero. So once Thomas had perfected the procedure in dogs, it was kind of up to Blaylock to do it in humans because at the time it would have been illegal for Thomas to do any surgery. He would not have been allowed to, certainly at the university level. And I, I can imagine there would have been state officials, government officials who would have gotten involved. So it, they weren't, they weren't going to be able to break that barrier, but um, Blaylock could only do it if Thomas basically told him how, because he throughout, was the one with all the experience. Doing exactly. It. Throughout all of those trials on dogs, Blaylock had only ever participated once. And he, it was as, it was as Vivian Thomas's assistant. So, you know, they, they were pretty sure they were ready to do it. They actually had a patient, the first patient that they tried it on who had been there sick in the hospital for a while. And they were worried wasn't going to make it much longer. And that's when finally Blaylock said, listen, we're going to do surgery. We're, we're going to operate on a heart, which was, a, again, a huge deal. And we're going to see if we can fix this. So Thomas wasn't allowed to do the procedure, but Blaylock got everything set up. And actually, Thomas wasn't going to even attend. Really? At first. He was like, I'm afraid I'll make him too nervous. I'm just going <laughs> to wait outside the theater and find out how it goes. 
And Blaylock was like, whoa, 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 nobody. No, 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 no. no. I don't know what I'm doing. Here's a stool right behind me. You're going to stand on this stool directly over my right-hand shoulder, and you're going to talk me through this whole thing. Imagine this scene. Because, I mean, this was a time where there were operating theaters and probably visiting surgeons watching the procedure. Imagine that scene. You've got... Alfred Blaylock, who is supposed to be this world-renowned surgeon, standing there at the operating table scrubbed in. He's got his techs and his nurses and his anesthesiologist and everybody all surrounding, you know, to do the procedure. And over his shoulder, not touching anything, not scrubbed in, not, not going to do anything, but standing directly over his shoulder, leaning over into his field and telling him what to do hmm. is Vivian Thomas. And this would have been the first time I, I, I'm certain that most of these surgeons would ever have seen a black man in the OR. Yeah. And not only is he there, he is telling He's this world-renowned surgeon. Yeah. And the surgeon is looking back at him and saying, do those sutures look good, Vivian? Does this look right? Are you sure? Am I connecting this right? And correcting him. No, 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 not that direction, Alfred. Go mm-hmm. the other direction. Wow. So it was amazing. And we've already talked about that. Obviously, the procedure was successful. Um, it took him a while to perfect it, but it was successful. And the shunt is rightly known as the Blaylock Thomas Tossig shunt. Hmm. Maybe even Thomas Blaylock. You could probably flip those. Yeah. Technically. Um, and uh, Thomas actually even made the needles for the first procedure. Really? Got the silk from his own lab and made the needles had because they had to make them little. So after they did the procedure and they did more procedures and they got tons of attention for it, as we've already mentioned, the medical community just went wild over this. Uh, Blaylock was given more respect. But he wasn't really quick to share it with Thomas. As I already alluded to, a lot of the papers describing the technique and the results and even like photos of the surgical team, Mm -hmm. no mention of Vivian Thomas. No mention of all the work he did. No mention of the fact that he really developed the procedure. That sucks. Yeah, that he told him how to do it. Um, Despite this, Thomas continued to do his work and his work got much more demanding because there was this huge flood of patients at this point that showed up at Johns Hopkins with their sick children saying, I understand you can fix this problem. At the time, they would mostly call them blue babies was kind mm-hmm. of like the, the common, right, the colloquial expression. So people showing up all the time with blue babies saying, please help us. We don't know where else to go. Um, he was working 16 hour days doing all of this, as well as doing all of these blood tests and labs and all of this other kind of work that he was expected to do. In addition to you know, telling Blaylock how to do every one of these right. surgeries. Um, he would have to stay up all night monitoring experiments. And he, in all of his spare time, was reading anatomy and physiology books because he didn't have that degree that he had always right, wanted, yeah. but he wanted all that information anyway. He never wanted that to hold him back. Um, in this time, he actually began developing even more procedures um, on the heart, so specifically a lot of cardiac procedures. And as part of his job, he also began training more technicians. And it's actually really cool. He took this opportunity to train technicians to bring more black uh, surgical assistants and technicians into the field. Cool. He went and sought out people to say, you know what, I can teach you how to do this and you are capable of doing this. And, you know, this could be a really great thing. And, and so he took that that opportunity he he had had and and passed that on which is which is really a beautiful thing that he did and then of course he also taught the procedures to residents um some of the world's most renowned cardiac surgeons trained under vivian thomas (laughs) 
who again has only a high school education. <laughs> um, like Denton Cooley, who would later go on to perform the first implantation of an artificial heart, trained under Vivian Thomas. Um, he trained uh, Hopkins' first black resident, Levi Watkins, and then assisted him in placing the first defibrillator, the wow. first implanted defibrillator done by Vivian Tr- Thomas and Levi Watkins. Um, he uh, One cool story is he, the elevator operator at Hopkins, uh, he went and sought him out and said, listen, I can teach you how to do this stuff. You can do this, and this is a better life for you and your family if you take the time to learn how to do this stuff. So his name was Raymond Lee. He taught him to be a technician. He would go on to become a physician's assistant and be part of the team that would assist in the first double heart lung transplant and a famous separation of conjoined twins that was done at Hopkins later on. Now, through all of this, he was still paid very little, uh, especially considering the, the caliber of work that he was doing and he actually had to work part-time sometimes as a bartender, specifically at parties hosted by Alfred Blaylock. Really? That was the only way he ever attended any of his affairs was as a bartender there, serving his surgeon friends. The surgeons that he would train in the day, the residents that he would train how to do procedures all day long and teach, he'd have to go serve them drinks in the evening. Um, his salary was about 12 bucks a week, kind of for a reference. Um, eventually this was, this was corrected. Blaylock lobbied on his behalf to have his salary raised. Um, they kind of created a, a tier in the salary ladder for people who were doing work that, uh, they were surgical tech work, but it was beyond that. So it was the highest paid surgical tech position because they created it specifically mm-hmm. for him because they recognized that he was not making nearly as much as he should have been for what he was doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, his his wife would let her, would later talk about him, Vivian Thomas's wife, Clara, that he always considered going back to college. Like throughout all this time as he became more famous and, and helped train more people and more well-known and more well-respected, he kept toying with the idea of, should I go back to college and med school and get the degrees and do sure. it? Um, but it just never happened. It was just never the right time. He uh, every at every turn, he made the decision to support his family instead, make sure that his kids got the degrees he didn't get to get. Yeah. And um, when he actually truly investigated it, he was looking at not finishing college and med school until he would turn 50. It would be the year of his 50th birthday. And he said his wife, his wife said he just found it too discouraging and he decided not to go for it. That makes sense. Um, in 1968, uh, a lot of the surgeons he had trained who were known as, by the way, the old hands club. Yeah. <laughs> I, sorry. No, I don't, I don't mean to throw shade. Just sometimes us doctors really like ourselves, don't we? <laughs> uh, so the Old Hands Club uh, commissioned a portrait of him in 1968 to be hung in Johns Hopkins, uh, kind of across from Blaylock's, which was a nice representation because of uh, they. he wrote about in his autobiography the years that they spent sitting across the lab bench from one another, looking at each other, trying to figure out as they both pondered how to solve different problems. Hmm. Um, so, um, and in 1976, he was awarded an honorary doctorate by the school and was finally uh, able to be called doctor hmm. by all of the residents and students that were training under him already and thinking of him as a doctor. Just finally, he was able to get that title. Um, he was added to the faculty of the school of medicine as well at this point, uh, in 2005, 
I think this is really cool. Hopkins began dividing incoming medical students into four different colleges, and they named each college after four of their famous grads. And the colleges are um, Tossig, Sabin, Nathan's, and Thomas. Hmm. It's one of the four colleges you can be in. Wow. That's cool. It's a nice um, tribute. There's a movie based on his life, if you're interested, in addition to his autobiography, uh, which is called Pioneering Research in Surgical Shock and Cardiovascular Surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Not the most, I wouldn't say that's the most intriguing title. Not a lot of panache. Don't let it fool you. It's an amazing story, so it's it's worth the read. But there's also a movie called Something the Lord Made, which oh, is, yeah. is based on his life. Most definitely uh, Alan Rickman. Yeah. You've seen it? No, but I looked oh. it up on IMDb. Very good. Just sounds smart. Do you but know, then I got too honest. Do you know why it's called that? Um, no, I don't. I think this is a cool story. I, 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 I looked up the origin of that, that title, Something the Lord Made, and it's a reference to a comment that was made at one point by Blaylock after Thomas had, um, he had actually sutured up uh, a defect between uh, two chambers of the heart and Blaylock was looking over at, at the, the suture line because Thomas was an amazing surgeon. I don't know if I've I don't know if I've underlined that enough. Despite the fact that he wasn't actually able to operate on humans, he was amazingly technically skilled. His hands were amazing. Hmm. And when he did sutures, when he when he when he did these surgeries on dogs, I mean the precision, the efficiency, not a movement was wasted. I mean everything about it was beauty and perfection from a surgical standpoint. And so at one point he's he's doing these sutures and Blaylock looks over and he's trying to find the line, the suture line that he has just put in, and he can't even see hmm. in the in the tissue, in the heart tissue, where the sutures have been placed. And he said, "Well, Thomas, this looks like something that the Lord, something the Lord made, hmm. meaning it looks, you know, just as good as the original." So I thought that was that was really beautiful. That is beautiful. A beautiful story, Sid. I mean, there are tons of awards, scholarships. There's a medical arts Academy name for him. He, he's had lots of recognition since then, but still not enough because in the story, the Blaylock Tossig shunt is still called that sometimes. And it shouldn't be. If you hear someone call it that in your daily conversations, <laughs> make sure you correct them. Yeah. Cause I mean, if Vivian Thomas did that procedure and in a different time and place, he would have been the surgeon performing it on on humans as well. Um. Uh, well, th Sydney, thank you for for filling me in on that. I'm glad we could could expand on that story. Um, and thank you for sharing it with me. How do I want to see the movie now? I think we should watch the movie. Let's watch the movie. I think, yeah, I think, I think it would it. be excellent. So, uh, wonderful story, Vivian Thomas. I want to say thank you to the taxpayers for letting us use your song "Medicines" as the intro and outro of our program. Hey, this is exciting. We're going to be at the Philadelphia Podcast Festival, and you could come and see us if you wanted to. Um, the, all you got to do is go to bit.ly forward slash Sawbones Philly, and there's a code PPF17 that you have to enter during this pre-sale period, which I think probably ends today if you're listening to this on Thursday. Yes. Um, but I think after that, you can just go to that link. Uh, that's bit.ly forward slash Sawbones Philly. It's going to be at the Trocadero Theater Sunday, July 16th. Uh, doors are at 1.30. The show's at 2. And it's um, tickets around 24 bucks. So uh, you should come out and see us. Um, another great Max Fun show, The Flophouse, is going to be performing after us at 5 p.m. So make sure you pick up tickets to their show as well. 
Um, and you can find out more by going to the website for the Philadelphia Podcast Festival, which you can find on Google by Googling it, because <laughs> I don't know that off the top of my head. So come uh, see us. Come see us. Uh, pl- seats are still available for that, and I hope you'll come on out. Uh, is there anything else in? I think that'll do it. Well, folks, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much. And until next week, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.